before we get to the podcast this week, I just want to say a shout out for Jeffrey Lim and his grandfather. Um, Jeffrey, we're sorry this happened to you, but we're all family here. We love you. We got you in our thoughts and our hearts. Uh, and as several other people on Slack have been over, you know, if you ever need anything from any of us or just need someone to talk to, we're all here for you. So all you got to do is let us know. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. I don't know if you guys have anything to say for Jeffrey. Yeah, just that we're thinking of you. And as Flex said, if you ever need anything, just hit us up. Okay. And with that, we'll get into a more somber intro to the podcast this week. Coming to you from the Flexbox Broadcasting USA headquarters in San Diego, California, this is the weekly show. I am, once again, not Nick Penner, and they are not Ian, nor are they Ben. Thank God. Who are you guys? Here comes the Squirtle Squad! Uh, I'm Jathish. No, I'm Cam. I am the one and only Jathish. And what team do you guys own? Uh, we are the Squirtle Squad. Um, that shouldn't have been that hard for you to answer. <laughs> Yo, I sent you some Squirtle audio of the Here Comes a Squirtle Squad episode, and it hasn't made it into a single podcast yet. So if it's not in this one, I'm going to be pretty sad. Okay, it will be in this one. You guys haven't been on any podcasts. When am I supposed to put this in? I think I've been on one. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, so this is a very special week for our league. It's finals week 2019. A.K.A. the week that another Neil boy won the championship. Hey. Fuck you, Ryan. Um, so let's just get into it. This should be a, a little bit shorter than a normal podcast because we don't have that many matchups to go through. Um, but let's get started with the all-important Foz final, guys. We had Jamil taking on RKR. RKR winning the most prestigious trophy in this league's history, 221.7 to 130.4. What do you guys think about this? Cam, why don't you go ahead first? Um, so this matchup was pretty horrible. Uh, I know Jamil, I was talking to Jamil at a Blue Jays game, and he thought he had the Vaz in the bag, and he managed to lose by almost 100 points. So clearly his hubris got the better of him. And he just got cooked by RKR. Neil's defense, he did outscore a number. Oh, never mind. He only outscored one person. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I was reading the wrong team's points there. All What I can say is my fellow owner of the Squirtle Squad and I are less than optimistic about Jamil's chances of rebuilding his team really anytime soon. We expect this to take at least two or three years. So the good news is he'll have two or three more shots at the vase. Yeah, I mean, it did seem like a trophy that he really wanted to win, so I really don't understand how he managed to put up such a horrendous point total. Um, I guess he took it a little bit too far in the blow-it-up direction at the trade deadline, but... Like Cam and Jatish said, there's always next year, Jamil. Um, hopefully, eventually, you'll be able to get a IKEA vase with my face on it <laughs> for your room. 
Yeah, uh, Jamil needs to remember that draft picks aren't everything, and you still need to have good players playing on your team. You can't just hoard picks. Uh, I also mentioned this on. I also mentioned this on League Slack, but uh, RKR, you now have. It is now mandatory for you to attend the league holiday party so we can present you with this trophy. And I hope that you, much like Ian, have my face staring down at you every night for the rest of eternity. Can we, like, laminate the vase or get it to be... We all it in some way so that your face is, like, the centerpiece of someone's room? You can't laminate glass. It's about as close to that as it already could be with the tape over top of it. I mean, I don't know what Cam did for the vase last year. I told him to do exactly what the vase was the year before, but... He's clearly not very good at following instructions. I, I don't think I did anything. <laughs> well, we need our vases that are signed by the one and only Flex Fox. Like, it can't be a real a real vase unless it really has the signature of our league's signature member. So wait, what did Aiden get last year then? Just a stock 99-cent vase? Yeah, and I think we, we filled it with alcohol or something. Same energy. Okay, we need to fix this. Aiden, throw that crap out. <laughs> At the holiday party, we will be replacing your trophy because Cam is incompetent. That's me. Moving on to Europa. Um, we'll start with Luke versus Ash. Luke coming out on top, 286.5 to 213. Um, I guess Ash wasted all of his points in the first week of the playoffs. Uh, Cam, what do you have to say about this one? Um, well, first of all, I want to direct a comment at Ian here and point out that Luke was able to put up his 286.5 with zero matchup acquisitions. So clearly they aren't everything. He also did this with five starts because he's just like blatantly not managing his team right now. But that was too much for Ash. So Luke uh, is on a collision course with Jeffrey Chow now to win Europa. Is he aware of this? Probably not. I mean, it's clear that after his Little League heroics as a coach, Luke's team has just been motivated to perform. And if you look at his performances, not just this week, but last week, it really seems like this is the type of squad that really turns it up during the playoffs. So I think it'll be very difficult to bet, a, bet against him in the coming up. I don't know. Luke's track record as a manager based on Little League is to uh, not be very clutch at the finals. So I, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, but like, you know that any sane human being would spend way more effort, way more time, way more motivation on the Flex Fox Europa Finals than any other physical baseball league. How do we know he's a sane human being? He was probably one of the people like burning cars and smashing windows <laughs> when the Canucks lost in the Stanley Cup Finals. What you are underrating, Jatish, is the opponent that Luke is going up against. And I'm not going to say anything about Luke and Ash's matchup because, frankly, I don't care. <laughs> but Luke is going up against... There's no other way to describe this person than as a winner in Jeffrey Chow, two-time league champion, who beat Garth McInnes 302 to 258.2. Um, 56 points from Garrett Cole, unbeatable. Jesus. What do you have to say about that, Cam? Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Chow, uh, proud Woburn alumnus, uh, I might add. Uh, like, he won two championships back-to-back. -back. 
he clearly like knows what he's doing in this league. I kind of think this Europa run um, has been designed by him for a long time. And it's just really hard to bet against him. Like with that point total coming into this week. Um, yeah, he's, he's just a beast. And like, I was pretty happy with how my dad's team did like 258 points, especially in Europa is usually enough to win you the matchup, but it just like, didn't come close to what Chow was doing. All right. First of all, we have to start with just the honest truth. Nobody is proud to be a Woburn alumnus. Let's not, let's not even dream of framing it in that way. That being said, though, as a son of the Scarborough region, I obviously have to respect Jeffrey's performance today. And it really does look like we're going to see a very formidable match for Europa supremacy that I think for the second straight year will be a more contentious, a more impressive matchup than anything we'll see from the playoff teams. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that Jeffrey Chow didn't win the Vaz last year um, so that he could have won all three trophies. That being said, maybe he is trying to go back-to-back with Europa trophies and follow that up with back-to-back Vaz trophies. (laughs) It is interesting that nobody has captured all three trophies yet. There's a couple people who are sitting on two, and we thought Jamil was going to have a championship and a Vaz after this year, but I guess not. It's hard to because if you're a good team, you tend not to blow up your team for no reason, with the exception of Jamil. And you tend not to get a Vaz, right? But well, the other thing is that only like a very select portion of the league has ever won the championship. So even if you're a Vaz winner, it'll take you like at least a few years before you're able to rack up the other trophies required to have like a treble. I can attest to this as someone who has won exactly zero trophies in eight years. We just have to recognize that the Community Shield is clearly the most important trophy available. Well, I have not won that either, so... (laughs) Um, Moving on to the playoffs, we'll start off with the... the less important matchup here before we get to the real championship. Jeremiah losing to Ryan... 339.1 to 276.8. This goes to show you what happens when you express anti-Neil McNeil sentiments in this league. Um, Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about that. How about you, Cam? Um, I'm looking at the box score. I'm kind of confused because it it doesn't seem like his big deadline acquisition, Luis Severino, pitched uh, during this matchup. I'm surprised that it took you this many weeks to be confused by <laughs> that big deadline acquisition. Actually, he did pitch during this matchup. It was just in, like, rookie ball on his rehab. Uh, so that wasn't very helpful. But yeah, uh, Jeremiah's point total wasn't too bad, but he just got blown out of the water here. This result was something that Jeremiah entirely deserved. He has by far the worst team name in the league. If you have a team league, the team name this disgraceful, this offensive, this incompetent, this is just a result that you get. And if you think about the trades that he made back around the trade deadline, it was clear he wasn't serious about winning the championship. He has never been serious about winning the championship. He has always wanted to accumulate talent, regardless of whether how, regardless of how useful it will be to his inevitable appearances in the playoffs. And this is the end result that he clearly deserves. Um, Jatish, what do you think is the best team name in the league? 
I mean, obviously, Richard Cello, as someone who strongly supports this player, I have to, I have to respect that. Adam, sorry, Flex Fox, obviously has a very strong name. Jatisha, as someone who strongly supports Jimmy Butler, what, where do you fall on the banning of ninja-style headbands? Honestly, I'm actually really disappointed because as of this week, I started to like incorporate the headband as part of my style. And now like to see some of my favorite NBA players like Mike Scott, Jimmy Butler and not being able to do this. Like I was honestly thinking of getting one and it just it's just really hurtful to see the NBA do what they did. You can still get one. You're not in the NBA. Still, though, like think about all the people who will now never get exposed to this. You can expose them to it. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's clearly my goal. Like, everyone in Waterloo psychology, like, they're going to see. Yeah, okay. Um, I kind of think that Ash has the best team name in the league. Because if you think about how he's managed his team, it's very, very ironic that he has named his team the Moneyballers. Um, I guess depending on your position on interracial pornography, uh, Chris's team name may do it for you. Um, but yeah, do you have any insights into how uh, Ryan was able to beat Jeremiah Flex? I mean, I just think that this was a poor strategy from both of these owners because they spent all of their energy killing each other. So neither of them could have had the energy or the points left in them to beat the inevitable league champion coming from my matchup with Richard Tillow where Richard won 212.2 to 199.5. The points here aren't really important. However, my strategy in this matchup has been controversial in League Slack. As you mentioned earlier, Cam, in regards to one other owner who had the same number of starts as me, pure incompetence, some would say. Where do you guys fall in the streaming starts divide? Um, It, it just depends like because we weren't really involved in a matchup that we could win um because nick just rolled us at the last second we didn't really look at the streamers that much but i think the key is just giving yourself a chance so like don't pick up someone who has huge home run problems when they're playing against the rockies at coors but i think as long as you make high percentage plays you just live with the fact that sometimes you, you, you roll the dice and you hit the one number that you don't want and bad things happen. You have to accept the randomness, but I think like it's still worth it to stream generally. I think that starting pitching this year is honestly just a wasteland. And the reason that Flex lost this matchup doesn't really have anything to do with not starting as many people. I mean, if you look at the points, you started half as many people as Richard did but your pitchers scored basically like one and a half less points. So clearly, you know, starting more people doesn't seem to be the difference here. It's the fact that your hitters just did not get it done. And if you look at players like Bogarts, Mondesi, they just, they just didn't bring it. Like that's, that's really the reason here. Well, I think that this applies to more than just my hitters. I mean, I had, Three, maybe four, I think just three, top 30 starters get me between zero and 4.5 points. So it's kind of difficult to survive that. 
But on the streaming notes, I would like to point out that Richard used four streamers this week, and they got him these point totals in order. Minus five, minus seven, minus four, and minus 3.5. Yeah, so the only reason this matchup was clearly at all competitive was because he just tanked himself by streaming guys he didn't really need to stream. And if anything, it would have been better if he had just used those pickups to, like, grab relievers or, like, grab, like, random bats to, like, try to stream against, you know, someone who can't pitch. I also didn't realize how few points my bats put up this week. It's just sickening. It happens. I mean, the playoffs are random. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, I think historically your bats have just not been very clutch. Like, they seem to be the type of players that do, like, really well during the regular season and just disappear during the playoffs. And this is just another year of that same phenomenon occurring. Well, I mean, I don't want to get too far into next week's matchups yet, but I am pretty glad that Richard is the one in the finals instead of me, <laughs> given the current point totals in this week's matchups, um, where I have negative 5.9 and Richard has 49.1. That would have been close. Um, but before we get into next week's matchups, I know, Cam, you have some big plans for the draft lottery this year that you wanted to go over. Yeah. Um, so I've talked to some people about this, but just in case people aren't aware, um, this year the draft lottery will be the Monday night after the Sunday of the finals. So assuming I can read a calendar, which I don't think I can, um, it should be Monday, September 16th. We're aiming to do it around 9 p.m., and we're going to try to live stream it on YouTube Live. Um, we have to do a bit of a test run sometime this week. So if the test run doesn't go the way we want it to, we might switch to a different streaming service. But either way, we'll post details of it in Slack so people can follow along. But Jathish and I are going to draw um, a bunch of ping pong balls to determine uh, who wins the first three picks. So the odds, if anyone wants to see them, we can link you to uh, projections that Flex made. Because there are still some spots in the lottery that are up for grabs, depending on how uh, Chow and Luke's matchup plays out, um, Ash and Garth M's matchup plays out, and Nick and Newton's matchup. Um, but the rest of them are determined. So, for example, the team that wins Europa will have the best odds, which is a 20% chance of getting the first pick. And Jamil happens to have the worst odds, which is a 2% chance. But either way, um, if a team does win, there'll be a lottery for the first pick, the second pick, and the third pick. So even Jamil has the potential to pick first, second, or third. And if not those, he'll pick 12th. So Chow, assuming he does win Europa and has the best odds, his floor is picking fourth. But he could move up um, to one of the top three spots. So, so, um, sorry, go ahead. Um, I just want to hop in with one question. I know that you guys have been talking about how the drawing will be based on a large number of possible outcomes from the drawing of ping pong balls. Um, how are you assigning those outcomes to different owners? So we have in each draw for each number, there will be 10 ping pong balls. 
numbered zero to nine. And we're going to draw from three different bags of 10 ping pong balls for each pick. So that's going to happen. So in total, we have like 90 ping pong balls. Um, and the reason we do that is because there are a thousand possible combinations with three balls, everything that ranges from zero, zero, zero to nine, nine, nine. So for example, because Jeffrey Chow has, or I guess we're just going to assume he's going to win Europa. Um, assuming he does win Europa, Jeffrey Chow would probably be assigned um, combinations zero, zero, zero to one, nine, nine. And then when we pick those out, um, we'd have them facing us. So the viewers on the stream won't be able to see what the numbers are, but they will see that like those are the ones we picked out. We're not going to like have a break and change them or anything. Um, and then Jatish and I are going to figure out who actually won because it is possible that someone could win the lottery for the first pick and then win again for the second pick. And if that happens, we have to redraw because you can't win both the first and second pick. Um, assuming you only have one, you only own one first round pick in the low minors. But yeah, that's basically how it's going to work. Uh, I guess like it's kind of a complex system. So if people are confused, uh, feel free to DM me and I'll explain it to you. But that's about it, I guess. Are there any other questions you can think that I should answer? I don't have any other questions. I don't know if you have questions, Jatish. I would hope not because you're helping run it. I'm. Let's just say I'm pretty confident to the process as it. Um, so everyone, you should know that the lottery will probably be at 9 p.m. Jatish, the lottery is going to be at 8 p.m. So plan accordingly and get to my house for then, okay? So that way you'll be on time for it to be at 9 p.m. If you think it's at 8 p.m. So uh, yeah, don't be late. Sounds good. Throw in there is that this is very much a work in progress for us. Uh, we're constantly trying to improve league content, and we think that this will be a much more entertaining way to host the draft lottery. That being said, we are looking to make improvements. So please, first of all, please do tune in to the actual live stream. Second of all, if you do tune in, please give us your feedback, your comments, um, so that we can improve the process for subsequent years. Yeah, I don't think the production values will be great. And like, I can already tell you ahead of time that we're going to try to improve our production values for future years. But if you do have especially like specific feedback about things we can do better, um, we'll definitely take that into consideration. Sorry, one other thing that's important. Um, there's no trades until the lottery is done. Just because like, we don't think it's useful for people to be able to trade in like the 24 hours after the end of the season before the lottery. So we're just going to freeze trades until after the lottery. And then if you do want to trade your minor league draft picks, you'll know exactly where they are. And you can trade up or trade down with more certainty. So let's move on then to the Europa Finals this week, where we have Luke facing off against Chow. Luke is currently, right now it is almost 9 p.m. flex time. Luke is currently up 39.3 to 5.8 over Jeffrey Chow in day one um looks like luke is outscoring or has more starts than chow so far but is there anything else that you guys have noticed about this score so far i need to very slowly load it on espn um i mean the thing with luke is assuming he's not managing his team it's it's hard for him to get a lot of starts because he effectively only has five starters because his bench starters stay on the bench but Paxton pitched today 
which means he should pitch again in this matchup, um, along with Eduardo Rodriguez. So you got to think that actually gives him a pretty decent chance of putting up some points. And his offense has been basically on fire um, for most of Europa. So maybe there is a chance that he can beat Chow, but it's just hard to imagine that happening. Although Chow also got a start today. It's possible that depending on the caliber of the starters that he has on the bench, it might be a good thing that he doesn't ever bother to start them. Like if they really, really suck, which there's a strong chance that they might, this might be for the best. I don't know. It all really just comes down to how hot his offense is. And obviously over the last two weeks, I guess, as of today, it's been quite good. So you can reasonably expect that to keep going. As, as you say that, he has 1.8 points today from his offense. <laughs> but I mean, he does have some players that hit home runs. In terms of who I would expect to win this matchup, I honestly, this isn't really a matchup where I have like a, I don't know, a strong distaste for any of the individuals involved. This is definitely in contrast to a number of the matchups that have occurred recently in the playoffs. But just going off the point totals, it's hard not to believe in Luke, right? Like his team has been, like even though obviously Jeffrey is a much better manager and a more active manager, sometimes it's just like how hot your players are at a certain time and not, you know, how good of a, how like good your techniques are. It's all about technique. Um, yeah, I, I think like the, the logical pick here is Chow. But it is just hard to ignore how well Luke has done recently. So I, I would predict that Chow will win. But I would be a lot less surprised than I guess I would be normally if Luke is able to pull out a victory here. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Chow. Obviously, the first day point totals are not looking great. But really, that's just based off of two starts. Um, obviously... Chow has already used one start that didn't go very well at all for him. But I think that once he gets, once we're talking about everybody in each of these lineups, um, I can't go against the championship pedigree that Jeffrey Chow has. The thing is, also, he's an OG mm -hmm. owner, so you've got to back the OGs. Scarborough, That's definitely, man. you know, some fair logic. But the thing is, those two starters that I think Luke had that performed well, they're going to go again this week, right? So if they really have it going on, there's a good chance that we'll see, you know, maybe another 30 points from them towards the end of the week. Yeah, but having one good appearance doesn't mean that you're going to have two good appearances. There's no correlation. It's possible. It's possible, but it's also possible that the rest of a child's players do really yeah. well. You know, I think those are, like, equally possible. So, so Luke's two good starts are the same game. Right, the Red Sox played the Yankees, and he got twenty point five from Paxton and seventeen from Eduardo Rodriguez. That's pretty good, considering the offense is involved. You'd think they'd face worse teams coming up, right? I guess when you don't manage your team, you don't <laughs> worry about that. Um, so let's move on to the big one, the league finals. Um, there is a bet on the line here that Ryan announced this morning, where the loser of this bet or the loser of this matchup will have to wear up to three articles of clothing representing the winner's high school at both the Christmas party and 2020 cottage weekend. Uh, assuming that Ian doesn't go rogue and not allow us at his cottage in 2020, 
big assumption, Ryan? It would honestly be worth banning anybody with Ryan's clothing, assuming he wins, from showing up at your cottage. Like, I would do the same. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't blame me <laughs> in on that one. Um, unfortunately, Ryan is currently up this week, 49.1 to 23.6. But speaking as someone who had a lead that was double the size of this after Monday of last week over Richard Tillow, um, I don't think that means much right now. What do you guys think? Uh, I'd like to go on record as saying that this bet is like kind of lame, because you're kind of like, lame. To be honest, I mean, like watching Ryan or Richard dress in unusual clothing doesn't really get me off. I would hope that it doesn't get you off. <laughs> the the thousand dollar bet would have though. That that was great. The you you just don't understand how much of like a stab in the gut. It is for a Neil boy to wear a St. Mike's piece of clothing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Richard doesn't show up for the league next season if he has to, do, if he has to wear that. Honestly, it would be, like, just offensive to the soul to have to wear St. Mike's clothing. Like, that's just, like, deeply disgusting. On, on the subject of Catholics, if I can veer off in a different direction here, Flex, have you seen the trailer for The New Pope? Um, no, but I did really like the young Pope, so... If you watch the trailer, that that's basically how I expect the the loser to look as they're wearing the, the clothes of the opposing school. It's still Jude Law, for some reason, and it's the same director, too. Well, Jude Law is not the, the new Pope. He's just also oh, okay. in the series. But I will be sure to... If you screen cap this, I will be sure to make sure that Nick has this as the header photo on the article <laughs> this week. No problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. For this matchup, like, I have just a hard time seeing Tillo winning. Because as much as, like, first day scores aren't always that meaningful, Ryan did get a good showing from his offense. And he got 20 points from his one starter. Whereas Tillo got basically nothing from his offense, at least so far, and there aren't very many games left. And in terms of the pitching, Aaron Nola, um, unfortunately, allowed four earned runs, so he didn't get his quality start. And Trevor Williams also allowed four earned runs and didn't make it to six innings. So both of them only put up five points. So that's two starts gone uh, without very many points. And then as you move forward in the week. So, like, Ryan's going to get um, Granky again, for sure. Sorry, my ESPN just crashed. Um, but Ryan has a couple other pretty solid starts early in the week. Whereas Tillo, like, the best I can see here, doesn't have anything until, I believe, Chase Anderson on Wednesday. And I don't know how well that's going to go. I expect the baseball, god, baseball gods to intervene against Ryan. They understand what's at stake here. You cannot have an owner like this win our championship. That is just like a St. Mike's owner winning the Flexbox championship is just completely unacceptable, completely incomprehensible. It's not something I can ever support. It's not something I can ever in good faith expect to happen or predict to happen. So of course I have to go with Richard Tello especially considering what his current team name is, the most clutch player 
in the entirety of the NBA. And I'm sure the spirit, that level of clutchness will come through in the closing days of this matchup. Um, the spirit of that clutchness did not seem to come through in round two of the NBA playoffs. Uh... Yo, he scored a bunch of points in the last minute. That's not his fault. It's not his fault that the rest of his teammates are just garbage. It's just not very clutch to lose. That's all I'm saying. Um, I think this the best way to really sum this up is to steal Ian's quote from two years ago where my heart wants Tillo, but my head says Ryan. I guess it's acceptable that you replace my name with Richard's. Well, I mean, obviously... Personally, my heart wanted flex, but I'll, I'll settle. My heart will settle for Tillo. Oh. <laughs> um, obviously, I am also going to have to go with Tillo on this one. Um, for the same reasons that Justice said, you know, I can't, I just can't pick against a Neil boy. Uh, that being said, based off of my initial memorabilia searches for the league prize this year. Um, Ryan would be a lot easier to accommodate than Richard Tillo. So Richard, before you, lo- before you win this matchup, please pick up someone who is, whose memorabilia would be more easily attainable while also being kind of entertaining. I've recently kind of come to the opinion that like baseball memorabilia is just a lot, I think, not just harder to find, but I think more expensive than like the equivalent NBA version, despite being like a far inferior league, which is just, I just don't understand why this is the case. I think you're just looking in the wrong places. Is, is, is that true? Maybe. Like, like what can you sign as a basketball player? Like I would think you have basketballs and you have jerseys. Jatish is only looking at authentic memorabilia company prices. Yeah, that's true. Even if you compare like jersey prices, like anybody you'd want as a baseball player is like a lot more expensive than I don't know, like the the coolest, most clutch NBA players. The key is to only want bad players. <laughs> the other key is that the coolest the person you think is the coolest, most clutch NBA player has a habit of changing teams a lot. So he has a lot of traded player jerseys you can buy. That's true. They are actually very inexpensive. But no, that you you are right that baseball jerseys are like ridiculously expensive. Well, like I said, this would be a shorter podcast this week because we aren't covering that many matchups. As I mentioned in the previous week, um, nobody cares about your consolation matchup, including <laughs> mine. So, do you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off this week? Um, I guess. Everyone just enjoy the finals, and we're probably not going to be doing the daily podcasts unless there's plans for this that don't include me, which would probably be the right way to do it. Um, But yeah, so if you're not in the finals, do better next year. Or enjoy us playing Chow in the finals next year, because that's probably what's going to happen. Let's just say your chances of winning the lottery are slim. We'll leave it at that. What if Jeffrey Chow's listening? I said what I said. Yes, Cam, there will be no daily podcast this year because I am not Nick Penner. I don't think that needs to be explained any further. Last week, I didn't know how to sign off. In the week in between, I did not 
go back and do research in how I'm supposed to sign off on this podcast. So once again, all I will say is good night and good fantasy.